Hi, I'm Rafaro, and you're listening to Start Up Surrey, a podcast brought to you by Shun Enterprise at the University of Surrey. This week, we spoke to Dr. Jeffrey Knott, the director and one of the co-founders of Hot Bar. Hot Bar is a lifestyle business that makes protein bars and shakes out of alternative sources. Jeff began his journey at the University of Surrey as a PhD mechanical engineering student, and then in 2019, co-founded Hop with his friends Matt and Ash. In this week's episode, we talked about balancing a startup with a degree, finding unique ways to make healthy products, and how the Hop team was able to receive funding here on campus. We had a super interesting conversation that covered such a wide range of topics, and I think that you're going to take something valuable away from this conversation. So. Here is my interview with Dr. Jeff. So, first of all, Jeff, could you tell us who you are and give us some background to Hop? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff. I'm one of the co-founders and directors of Hop. Um, and myself and two friends were all sorry alumni. Um, we originally met through sports, so we all played badminton. Um, I was the president one year, and then next year, Matt, who's one of the co-founders, was the president that that following year. And it was it was really Matt who approached me originally with the idea. He's he's originally from Brighton, so he's you know quite quite progressive um, in food and other ways. And he approached me with the idea, saying, "Hey Jeff, what do you think about using insects for sports nutrition?" And at first, I I went, "What? What are you talking about? Go away." <laughs> But then I, my background is um, research. Um, I'm a mechanical engineer. I did my PhD here. I did his master's degree here in um, business management. So my background is research. I, I looked at the scientific literature, food literature, the nutritional literature on insects, and it just made sense. It showed that yes, insects like crickets, for example, they're around seventy percent protein by volume. That's way higher than the most commonly consumed meats in the West. So beef, chicken, and pork—they're all around twenty-five to thirty-five percent. So it's almost double. And not only is there more protein, it's higher quality as well. So there are more amino acids. So in, in other words, this is—it's good for sports nutrition. People who like to build muscle or want to stay quite lightweight. So. Some of the people were targeting are rock climbers, so they need a good power-to-weight ratio. So that means not much fat, um, and insects are quite good for that. So they're quite low in fat, high in protein. So it's good for the, those people. Yeah. Yeah. So could you tell us more about your ideation process? How did you go from thinking maybe let's put insects in these bars to actually doing it? Yeah. So I guess from now it was maybe 18 to 24 months ago. That's when uh, Matt approached me with the idea and then I was on board. And then we bought some crickets and then we just went to our kitchen and we put them into a bar. We we looked at some popular protein bars out there and we sort of used those recipes as a starting point. And then we just added crickets. And then we, after we made them, we tried them, quite liked them, um, but then we wanted to test the market. So we actually went to the Surrey Sports Park and we went to rock climbers just as they were climbing because we, we climb as well and we just gave them a bar and we recorded the reaction and it was all it was always positive and they had loads of questions. And this is what we get all the time. People are very curious and actually the majority of people are very on board and it just it just triggers something because at first a bit of a shock. It's like they say, oh, what? Insects? No way. There, there aren't insects in here. It tastes, it tastes normal. Um, but that's exactly what we wanted. We want it to be indistinguishable from, in quotes, a normal product. But it's also got all the benefits nutritionally. That's what we did initially. We, we just 
you know, it was very low cost. We just did it ourselves. To then make the next jump, we, through Student Enterprise, we applied for funding. It was funded by the Waits Foundation, uh, the Waits family, who do a lot of stuff here for Surrey as well. We applied for money and we pitched for money as well. And we also had some endorsement, some private endorsement from the nutritional department. So we had that covered and we combined that with the videos of testing it with the rock climbers. And that really helped us in our pitch to convince the panel that, yeah, there is something here. Please give us some money so we can take it to the next stage. So from there, we we then worked to outsource the production because we can't just make it in our kitchen. There are, you know, food standards that we have to do. It needs to be a commercial premises. So we went to the best people we could find in Europe who make protein bars and we got them to make ones with crickets in them. And so that's that's what the money sort of helped. After that, sort of the next step up from kitchen to here's a product that's beautifully packaged and we designed it to look very appealing. Now we're, we've got that product for around the last three months now and we're selling that in small independent shops like climbing centres in London and farm shops in Surrey. And yeah, it's, it's, it's going well. Yeah, definitely. So had you known before you came up with the idea of Heart that you wanted to start a business in the food sector or did you just want to start a business or did you just really want to work with food? No, food, I, I guess it, um, no, food didn't come come naturally at all. It was because that's just the opportunity that came from, uh, from Matt's suggestion. But at least for the last three or four years, I knew I wanted to do something, um, I wanted to work in some kind of startup or business and it didn't necessarily matter what area. It's just that I, you know, I was reading all the sort of the startup books, the, uh, oh, there's, there's so much, there's so many sort of inspirational people out there who started their own businesses and then wrote books about how the process went. And I was always sort of absorbing all those books. So I was reading like 40 to 50 books a year. Um, now I'm not reading anything like that, maybe like two a year now. Yeah. So I feel like I've absorbed all sort of the, the knowledge of previous people, which is the great thing about reading and watching watching interviews, for example, of very successful business people and CEOs who have been there and done that. And just learning from maybe mistakes that they made or what the, the advice they would have given themselves 10 years ago and just taking all that on board and then sort of waiting until some opportunity came along. So could you tell me a little bit more about how collaboration and working in a team has helped you to create this product? It's been it's been so valuable to have a team to work with. It was a tricky transition. So I did a PhD. It can be very isolated and you have to do everything yourself. You have to read the research yourself. You have to do the experiment yourself and everything's very DIY. But then it seems in business it's almost the complete opposite partnerships are very very valuable networks are very valuable one of the most valuable things is working with two others i feel like maybe more might have been a bit too much to manage but there's a good dynamic with three for several reasons we we have different backgrounds we have different skill sets um some of us are quite blue skies thinking some others are quite detail oriented on you know they can work on spreadsheets in excel and do budgets and they love the numbers and calculating little bits here and then five percent here and ten percent there and there are others who are very good at sort of talking on the phone with people and being very uh, charismatic. So we complement each other in that way, which is only a good thing because I, I think potentially if you're on your own, then you'll have some gaps that would have needed filling, which would have then made the startup more successful. Um, it also helps practically. Um, you can share tasks. You don't burn out so much. Uh, so we all have full-time jobs um, and we, we're only doing hop in our spare time when we can in the evenings and the weekends. And I think doing that alone 
would have been very difficult. I would say don't be afraid to partner with somebody that you, a good friend that you've known for a, a while or someone you just have a good feeling about. The sum of the parts is greater than the individual components, if that makes sense. Definitely get a good team around you. So before this interview, I was speaking to another two um, co-founders and they're talking about how there can sometimes be difficulties with working your, with your friends. So would you say that there's any like major lessons that you've learned about collaboration and working in a group that you'd want to share or things that you're still working on that you're overcoming but you're learning about? Yeah, it's uh, that's a good one. Um, uh, yeah, w- one of the most applicable ones is that we all have different ways of approaching negotiation let's say if we're doing sales and I think the three of us we have a good spread along the spectrum so I tend to be quite optimistic and very trustworthy of others maybe too much so but one of my co-founders he deals with uh, sort of the sales side quite a lot and he, he gets what can make people tick a bit more or what other people's motivations so he's very skeptical so we're at two polar opposites in a way and then the other one is kind of in the middle. So we, we've got a good spread. And when it comes to making relatively big decisions, we get together, have a discussion. And there's there's a, this tension between us, but the average of us makes a good decision, if that makes sense. So not one person dominates. We we average and we come to a consensus. Um, and that's that's really good. Because there's been points where other others' perspectives, I hadn't thought about doing something a certain way. And then it worked out. Um, so I've I've learned from that personally, and it's made me believe in the process even more that you need people who are s- sort of similarly minded, but sort of have a different skill set and approach things differently, because you don't really want to be stuck in an echo chamber um, with people that just agree with you or, or people that only disagree with you. But it's good to have the flexibility and different opinions. Yeah. So you talked about kind of having people who don't have the same opinions as you, same perspectives as you, to kind of give you like different insights into your business. So what role has mentorship played in you starting your business and how has Student Enterprise helped that? There's quite a few things to think about because um, I've been with Student Enterprise for oh, probably like two years now, something like that. And there's so many people that you meet and there's always these sort of random conversations as as Jocelyn and I will have a three hour conversation and it might not be about hop, but it'll be about other things or friends and there's just always these little drips of um of knowledge or some wisdom that come through and I've met a lot of useful people in student enterprise and and other networks like uh, the Institute of Directors, for example. Um, and there's so many people that are happy to give you advice um and advice is it's so valuable because it's it comes from a good place. It's hard to come up with a particular example because there's so many. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like what I said about reading books and taking all the knowledge on board. Um, taking all this advice from so many different people, local business people and local mentors, you kind of absorb it and then you it sort of becomes you and then you forget exactly where it might have come from. Mm-hmm. And even people, sort of your peer group are quite good. Um, so talking to other people are around the same journey or even a little bit before, because it makes you sort of um, self-reflect. So if you, so I've, I've spoke to people who have approached me because they know that I'm working on HOP, and let's say they're maybe two hours, two hours, two years sort of from where I am right now in their journey, and they, they've got an idea, and they don't know how to progress or what to do. And I, I try and give advice. So I'm, I'd like to, I'd like to be a mentor as well, because it helps me think about, my journey as well 
Um, so it kind of closes that loop of not just receiving advice, but also giving it. If you're in the position to to help others, then I think that's that's a good one to do. Great. So I'd like to talk more about funding and how you um, were able to get the opportunities to get funding to raise money so that you could take your business to the next level. So could you talk a little bit about your funding journey? Yeah. So, so as I said, roughly 18 months ago, that's when we trialed products ourselves from, from our kitchen. Um, and then we used that to apply for funding through Student Enterprise and they they uh, helped us secure £5,000 and we stretched that quite well um, for the early prototyping and product development, like things like graphics and packaging and the website and all this, all this sort of infrastructure of a business to get that all set up. So we had a foundation that we could then build on and then approach people. And then once people see, oh, you've got a really pretty website or you've got a nice social media account, um, which is applicable for us, um, then it helps helps get buy-in from customers a lot more easily. So that that five thousand pounds from Student Enterprise and the Waits family was that was the real the real enabler. Without that, it would have been it would have either maybe not happened or it would have taken another another year potentially. We also secured some more money the following year from Student Enterprise and Santander Universities um, through the Cube Fund. Um, so that was an extra one thousand pounds, and that was we used that for um, marketing events. Um, so that helped grow brand awareness and helped get sales. And yeah, we've 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 made that stretch quite a bit. Other than that, that's those have been the real enablers. When we succeeded to get the money, it it helped us. It built our confidence that others believed us and were sort of helping us on our journey and not just the money to get things going but also the the sign of approval that's like yeah yeah it looks good go for it (laughs) and that was that was really good that was a good day so with those funding opportunities you would have had to pitch and send forms so would you say there's anything in particular that you learn about how to share your story in an effective way for these things there's lots of workshops around and they really help you on the communication side because it, it, you can be the smartest person in the world but not be a good communicator and if you can't communicate then you can't convince others that what you're doing is worthwhile like one of the most important things is thinking about your audience so who are your audience why should they care about what you're saying it also helps to think about your audience what maybe their backgrounds are as in from a occupation point of view or what can they relate to? You know, it's very different talking to a group of teenagers versus a group of university students versus a group of local business people because everybody has different experiences at the moment. What can they relate to and with? You could have a really convincing pitch or message, but if you've sort of packaged it or presented it in a way that people don't really understand, then your message just falls flat and nothing will happen. So um, do you feel like starting a business as a student gave you a unique advantage in any ways? Oh, yeah, definitely. I always tried to take advice from people who are older than me. Um, and so one of those pieces of advice was you should you should do it now while you're a student because you've got this spare time, you're relatively flexible, you've got sort of you've got your baseline studies that you need to do but you've also got loads of spare time to work on things and there's no better time than now when you're a student to take the risk to try a a new venture because once you enter the the the, in quote real world your time in the day say from eight till four or eight till five or nine till five that time is going to have to be dedicated to your full-time job to your employer 
And what spare time do you have? It's in the mornings, in the evenings, in the weekends. It's, it's a lot more difficult to do a full-time job and start a new thing because you'll, you will probably just burn out. Self-motivation is a good start, but it only goes so far. And you would, we've, we've all had those ideas where you get some, a really passionate idea in your head and you think, oh God, I need to do this. I need to work on this. I really need to put loads of hours in this. I'll do it on Saturday. I'll do it on Sunday. And then let's say you spend two solid days working on it. And then the next week rolls around and then the next weekend rolls around and you think, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> so definitely as a student, um, not just because you've got that flexibility in your schedule. Um, another point is that you've got people who might be like-minded around you. So if you're in the real world in, in, a, in a job job, people are probably in the office just wanting to turn up, uh, I'll assume, just wanting to turn up, do their job, go back home, relax. Whereas in a university environment, you can go to events like Student Enterprise and go to these workshops or these networking sessions and find people who have that urge or that hunger to start something up themselves. And so that's that's really good because then you can potentially build a team from that with people who are like-minded. And that's really valuable because then you can share the load and get different ideas and cross-pollination of um, different experiences. So... Yeah, if you're a student and you have that inkling, there's no better time than now. Definitely, yeah. That's like quite universal advice that we've received from like almost every one of the entrepreneurs. They all say, start as soon as you can, start while you've got time. So um, how have you found transitioning from being a student working on a business to being like a graduate working on a business? How has that shift been like for you? So definitely as a student, I felt like it was easier. And now with a full-time job, there's the demand on the full-time job side is higher than as a student and so I've had to either take time away from hop from my my personal input or figure a clever cleverer way out how to get tasks done so some of the things we've done is tried hiring people or getting more people um, to volunteer to help out um, because as we say it, through the personal networks again people know what we're working on and we've got loads of friends who are keen to put some hours into it even if it's a spare weekend or a spare evening every two weeks they'd like to help in some way because these are also friends who they've approached us and they said oh that's really cool what you're doing I I kind of want to do my own thing as well and so from their perspective they kind of want some experience of how it is to start something up because they're sort of at the start of their journey and from our perspective I'd like to help them gain some insights so they see what it is like to go from nothing to, well, from an idea and you had to something physical and something that's been sold and consumed in places. Um, so there's kind of a, there's a nice um, positive trade both ways there. We get some input, um, some help, and we help our friends on the journey that they're on as well. So what would you say is your vision for Hop? Where do you want to see it in a few years? What are you trying to do with it next? Um, so at the moment, we're fo Hop is focused on sports nutrition. Um, it's because there's a market there already. People understand and consume protein bars. They understand the nutritional requirements of the body. They're quite well educated. That's improved over the past five, ten years with the growth of gyms and the fitness industry. Where I'd like to take Hop next is in healthcare, things like post-operation supplements. One example that I can think of kind of related to that, but also as a preventative measure. There are over 2,000 types of edible insect in the world. 
we've gone with crickets at the moment because they make sense from a protein point of view. So then they make sense from a sports point of view. Another type of insect is the mopane caterpillar. And this caterpillar is around 10 times higher in magnesium content than wild salmon and beef. And why why does that matter? That's That's great, nice, good to get magnesium. Well, women over 50 with low magnesium diets have a higher risk of developing osteoporosis, so it's bone decay. Um, let's say what's starting to happen now, the trend, is that people are taking these online DNA profiling tests and they can see their genome and they can see what sort of diseases or what health risks they're at. Um, so not to sound scary, but it's good to be aware of what your individual needs are. So let's say you've done this test and you've gone to your GP just as a checkup and you just said, oh, look, what do you think about this? And he says, or she says, maybe try eating uh, more wild salmon or more beef or try taking some magnesium supplements uh, once a week or whatever it needs to be for your individual need. Imagine you've been, you've now got this awareness of what your needs are. And with a bit of education on the edible insect front, you could walk into your local coffee shop and potentially see a croissant that says fortified with caterpillars. And you just link the two. You know that caterpillars are high in magnesium and you need more magnesium to close that deficit because you're a particular person who needs that. Um, so that's what I can, that's what I'd like to take hop into in the future is loads of different insects that are high in particular nutrients or vitamins or minerals that are then good for a, a, a direct health benefit for an individual. Really interesting. So would you say that you have any particular piece of advice for a student or a recent graduate who is looking to start a business? Do it. <laughs> yeah, I'd say do it. If, especially if you've been thinking about it for a long time and it's just something that you, for whatever reason, whatever excuse you could give yourself, you just haven't started it. It's like we've all got those things that we've just been putting off and putting off and it sort of niggles away at you. And if if it's been a recurring idea or a or a desire internally that you've had for, you know, six months, a year, then you should probably definitely try it because now is the time to take risks. Once you're older and you've got a house and a family that you need to provide for, then you become a lot more risk averse. And once you get to that stage, you might you might think, oh, what if I, what if I did that? What if I did that twenty years ago? So it's it's more, yeah, definitely give it a go because you've got you've got nothing to lose right now and everything to gain. Great. And finally, if you could have one person who you admire, whether that be a business person, politician, health person, anybody dead or alive, um, on your speed dial, who would it be? Uh, from a business point of view. I think one of the most inspirational people alive at the moment is Elon Musk because he's shown that through sort of sheer determination and putting hours into something you love or believe in and getting a team around you that believe the same thing, then you can change the world for good. So he's got, he was, if people don't know, he was the co-founder of PayPal. And I think we've probably all used PayPal if we use things like eBay or sending money to friends on Facebook now. And then he founded a rocket company, um, so it's making space more accessible, and that's good for human civilization if we want to leave the planet, or it's it's just a great adventure. Um, and then he founded Tesla as well, so electric cars, um, so it's a, it's a more sustainable future. So I see he's doing a lot of positive through 
his business. Yeah, great. And so you just talked about Elon Musk and his like SpaceX program. And you said that you're really interested in space and that's where you come from, from an academic background. What is your dream space-based business? Last six months, I've been playing with the idea and I think I haven't really shared it because I think it's a bit too wacky, (laughs) but I've started to share it more and more. So by sheer coincidence, I think I can mix the two things I'm working on. So insects and space. So what's happening more and more now? um, And I was at a conference in Washington a couple of months ago. um, So NASA's just announced a new um, program called the Artemis program. And they're going to try and build a new sort of base on Mars. It's called the gateway. The gateway to what? The gateway to Mars. Um, So they're going to build all this infrastructure um, with ESA as well and the Japanese Space Agency. And it's going to take around 10 to 15 years. But once that's enabled, that that really does open the door to commercial space activities. And one of the things that I'd love to do, um, and I've wanted to do this for, I've had this in my mind for years as a want, but now I can kind of see the jigsaw puzzle pieces sort of aligning a little bit, is I'd love to help set up a colony on Mars. And I think I can do that through insect farming. And that's something that we're doing already in the UK. And the reason I think of that is that we need to grow our own food if it's on the moon or Mars, because it just takes too long and it's too expensive to transport food. We need to make it locally. And one of the advantages with insects, by sheer coincidence, is that they're high in nutritional quality and they don't take a lot of resources up. And it's resources that you're limited by in a place like Mars. So you don't need much space, you don't need much water, um, you don't need much food to feed the insects. And you can use insects to sort of process bio-waste in a way, which is safe to eat, obviously. But that's where I can kind of see the two, by sheer coincidence, aligning. And I'm always second-guessing myself, thinking, am I just trying to fit this in in some way because I'm working on these two things? But I'm starting to see them align a bit more. So that's what I'd like to do insect farming and in space amazing i was gonna make a really bad space joke in my head i'm like do i say that was out of this world or the sky's the limit (laughs) thank you so much Cher, for being a part of this interview it's been great wishing you the best with hot bar to find out more about jeff and hop you can visit them at hotbar.co.uk or follow them on instagram at hotbar.uk We'll be back next week with a brand new episode in which I'm going to be speaking to Maddie Glenn. If you're a student or recent grad interested in learning more about student enterprise, we host weekly skills sessions in the Enterprise Cube on campus, which is located right in between the library and unit house. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you in two weeks. Startup Surrey is brought to you by the University of Surrey Student Enterprise Department and is produced by me, Rafara Mazarira, Jocelyn Chandler-Hawkins and Emily Oswald. To keep up with us, visit www.surrey.ac.uk forward slash student enterprise or follow us on Instagram at Surrey Student Enterprise.